this edition of the Thoracic Surgery Resident Association's podcast. The opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for teaching purposes only and should not be applied directly to patient care. Hello, my name is John Trohanis and I am a fellow in cardiothoracic surgery at the MGH. Today, I am privileged to discuss surgical societies and their role in shaping our profession and careers with three former society presidents. Dr. Torsant, Chief of the Division of Cardiac Surgery at MGH, served as the 97th President of the American Association of Thoracic Surgeons, 2016 into 2017, and will talk to us about regional and state-level organizations. Dr. Duke Cameron joined his faculty at MGH after serving as Director of the Division of Cardiac Surgery for many years at Johns Hopkins University. Dr. Cameron succeeded Dr. Sunt and served as the 98th President of the American Association of Thoracic Surgeons, and will talk with us about the AATS. And finally, Dr. Doug Matheson, Chief of the Division of Thoracic Surgery at the MGH for 25 years, served as President of the Society of Thoracic Surgeons 2010 into 2011, and will talk with us about the STS. Thank you all for sitting down with me today. We will start by learning a bit more about regional organizations. Dr. Sun. Just so the audience can have a frame of reference, what, is your, what has been your involvement with regional and state-level organizations? So I began my clinical practice uh, for all intents and purposes in St. Louis. So there, there was a, a citywide uh, society, a St. Louis Thoracic Surgical Group, and we would have meetings once a year or so, and that was a, a good opportunity to meet practitioners within the city and uh, many practice locations will have that sort of an organization, and I think it's a good idea to participate in those. Those individuals are, are folks that will be sending you referrals or that you may be sending referrals to, and uh, participating in those things I think is valuable and important. Uh, it's, your community of cardiothoracic surgeons is small and uh, what you do is unusual, and uh, no one understands you quite as well as other cardiothoracic surgeons. So I think uh, local organizations are important. In terms of statewide uh, organizations, uh, the, uh, when I was in Minnesota, the Minnesota STS was, was uh, still uh, alive. It was not as vigorous as it had been some years in the past. Probably the best example of a of a statewide organization is the Minis- is the uh, Michigan Society of Thoracic Surgeons and uh, that's a very active and very uh, productive group uh, I would recommend people uh, attend that meeting at some point just to see uh, the kinds of things that can be accomplished when a statewide effort is made it's really a remarkable group of individuals uh, but I've not uh, really participated myself much in one of those statewide organizations. The Massachusetts STS is not as uh, vigorous as it was uh, some years in the past. In terms of regional or- uh, organizations, uh, because of the location of, uh, of, of Washington University in St. Louis, I was uh, able to join the Southern Thoracic Surgical Association. Uh, at least at that point in time, you needed to practice in the South, and they counted Missouri as being in the South. Uh, since then, I think the, well, I know that the membership criteria for the Southern have, have been widened a little bit, and uh, now if you've trained in the South, you're a candidate, and even if you've neither trained nor practiced there, if you attend the meeting frequently in our uh, a contributor to that organization, you can become a member of the Southern Thoracic. The Southern Thoracic was founded many years ago, uh, really in response to the the difficulty that many of those practitioners had in getting on at the national um, meetings, at the AATS meeting. Uh, back then, it was just the AATS that was the national organization. The STS had not yet been founded. And the the Southern Thoracic is a terrific organization. The uh, original format was that 80% or 90% of the papers presented at the Southern were presented or were sponsored by 
a member of the Southern Thoracic Surgical Association. A member of the Southern had to be a co-author on those papers. What that did was it favored uh, those in, individuals from uh, the South, uh, papers from those institutions, and it persists in being a very uh, friendly, I think, meeting. Um, many residents do their first presentation at the Southern Thoracic. The Southern Thoracic embraces that. Uh, I've had uh, medical students present at the Southern Thoracic. I've had a pre-medical student present at the Southern Thoracic. In fact, she won the President's Award for the best paper at the program. So it's a, a great organization when you're first starting out to get used to presenting in public uh, and uh, for for residents uh, for while you're in your training, if your mentor is a member of the Southern or or even if not, consider sending papers to the Southern because it's a very uh, friendly kind of an organization and it's focused on, on making opportunities available to people in training. The Western is the other major uh, regional organization. Uh, they are more selective in the number of papers that they take. They take a smaller number of papers and all of their sessions, I think, are plenary sessions, so it's a quite a bit smaller. And at the Western, there are fewer sessions as well. So the Western is a little bit more focused on family activities, uh, free afternoons, that sort of a thing. So the Western is a lot of fun. And I think every three or four years, the Western meeting is in Hawaii. Uh, but that's also a, a good organization. It feels like the uh, Western is really focused on families and the Southern is perhaps a little bit more focused on couples uh, I think that uh, the southern the southern happens in November, so it tends to uh, it tends to be focused on uh, couples who might uh, not be with the kids on vacation, but it's usually in kid friendly locations. So I think those are the roles of the regional organizations, and I think that it's terrific to be involved in them. How do uh, the the mission of these <clears throat> regional and state organizations differ from the missions of the national organizations? So the national organizations tend to be focused on bigger issues. Uh, so, for example, the STS, as you'll hear from Doug Matheson, or maybe have already heard from Doug Matheson, has a major effort in uh, public advocacy. They interact with the government about, about uh, reimbursement and so on, major uh, national practice issues. Uh, STS has done a fantastic job with that. The Southern, I think, is supportive of those kinds of activities, but it isn't primarily engaged in that. Uh, the Southern is more focused on on providing a, an opportunity for uh, individuals to interact in a social manner and as I said for to bring uh, junior uh, junior individuals along get them used to presenting and so on. Um, the AATS is uh, tends to be more focused on on the uh, national uh, scholarship issues uh, major leadership issues. Again, all of these organizations have overlapping missions in many ways, but it's just uh, what their focus is. And I think that the regional organizations are a, are a particularly good place for junior uh, faculty or for residents to present and to become begin building a a, a, a network and build relationships. Yeah, the or the the uh, the southern and western are not in a formal way associated with the STS and the AATS. Now, the southern, in fact, uh, their journal is the Annals, and the western, the journal that the western papers tend to get published in, is the JTCVS. So there's a tends to be a sort of natural alignment between the Southern and the STS and the Western and the AATS. And in fact, the, ST, the Southern is managed by the STS management organization, but it's not an official uh, relationship. The Western is managed by an independent management company, not managed by the AATS. But I can imagine that it would appear that those organizations are affiliated uh, in a formal way. What do you think are some of the greatest contributions the regional or state organizations have made in the past to cardiothoracic surgery? Um, I think that that's this this notion of uh, of bringing people along, of uh, of uh, fostering people early in their career. 
I also think that just the social aspects are actually remarkably important because uh, while we're uh, colleagues in many ways uh, in, in the field, we also are competitors uh, with each other, certainly uh, regionally to some degree, and so it's important to have those uh, social relationships. I also think that, that the, uh, the uh, discussions at the meetings in these regional organizations can oftentimes be much more open and frank. And so I think that they complement the national organizations. They complement the STS and the AATS in, in an important way, both in terms of social interactions and in terms of the frankness of the conversation that, that occurs and uh, hopefully role modeling for, for junior, junior uh, faculty and uh, young surgeons in having uh, uh, having friendly disagreements with one another. So uh, as a resident or a new attending, would it be fair to say that we should aim to start in, in the regional or state organizations first uh, as our first involvement in these types of things before moving on to the larger organizations, or can one uh, do both at the same time? Well, I think that can be done in parallel. So I think uh, uh, becoming engaged with the STS Immediately is certainly of value. You can be a candidate member at first and then uh, go on to full membership of the STS, and that's, I think, the first organization that most people join. I do think that if you, are, if you can join one of the regional organizations uh, right away, I would do that as well. So I would do both at the same time. Uh, membership in the AATS comes a little later, uh, but uh, uh, engagement in these uh, both uh, right away, I think, makes sense. And as I said, I think you should uh, not ignore the, uh, the citywide or the statewide organizations depending on, on, uh, on where you live and what those organizations look like. For those who live and work in Michigan, for example, I'm sure they're all uh, very actively engaged in the Mis Michigan society. And... Uh, and uh, each wherever you end up, you should look at that. I, I remember going to the Michigan meeting and being very impressed with the candor in which they spoke of their complications, and the, just the discussion was uh, was very impressive. Um, as as our world becomes smaller and uh, social media and, and travel kind of shrinks the planet, do you think the regional societies will persist, or will they become absorbed by the national groups? What what will their role be in the future? So I hope that they do not get absorbed because I think that they serve a different function. As I've said, I think that they're more focused on the social aspects. Uh, I think that, um, as, I, as I mentioned, they're spouse-friendly uh, organizations. I think it's important and valuable for uh, your significant other to develop relationships with uh, significant others of your colleagues uh, so that so that you're part of this community, this unusual community and this, we're a very small specialty, very, very small specialty. And uh, uh, no one understands uh, you and no one understands your spouse or significant other's situation as much as somebody else who's actually also involved in the same field, I think. So I, I think those social relationships are very important. And the, the Southern and the Western both serve, I think, different functions. Sometimes I worry that the organizations are all uh, sort of getting homogenized and that the differences are being lost. I think that the, in the best of all possible worlds, the AATS and the STS are very different. They have very different missions, I think. Not everyone shares my opinion. And in the same way, I think the Western and the Southern uh, serve different uh, purposes, as I said, uh, even between the Western and the Southern, I think of the Western. Their meeting is in June, I believe. Uh, is really focused on families, and they try to have it in a family location. The uh, Southern is less, a little less family focused. They are usually in November at a golf location, something like that, where where, where adult, more of an adult playground for uh, for the Southern and for for spouses to get together. Uh, and I think that's very different than the STS or the AATS, and I hope that, uh, that we can celebrate those differences and still find time to, 
go to those meetings. I try to go to the Southern as much as I can. It's, uh, I'm sure it's my, my favorite meeting of the year. And uh, finally, even though this is a little bit of a change of topic, while we have you with us, what was your biggest challenge or your proudest accomplishment when you served as the president of the AATS? Uh, uh, the, the biggest challenge that we had uh, was that the organization moved to self-management uh, during that interval of time. Uh, and uh, that, that uh, uh, and it, it, we actually moved from being managed by a, by a, by a different organization, of the, uh, a management company, to being self-managed about four months before the centennial meeting. And we managed to keep all of the AATS staff together. They all moved with us. Uh, they managed to pull off the centennial meeting without a hitch. I'll bet that no one who attended could even tell that the organization had undergone this enormous uh, change, but it was a huge change that happened uh, to go into self-management. So I think that was probably uh, the, the, the best accomplishment of my time there. Wow. Uh, thank you so much for speaking with us, Dr. Sun. It was very informative. Okay. Thanks very much. The largest CT surgery society is the STS, and there is no one who knows its inner workings better than Dr. Doug Matheson. Dr. Matheson, aside from serving as the president of the STS, what other roles have you held within the STS or, or the AATS? Well, let me just make a disclaimer that I'm not speaking on behalf of the STS today. Okay. These are comments that are mine and mine alone. Um, I've, uh, I've been involved with the Society of Thoracic Surgeons for well, certainly well over 30 years. Uh, I've held so many uh, uh, positions within that organization, too numerous to recite all of them, but I was the president, uh, treasurer, um, uh, I've been on the board of directors or the council for uh, over 20 years. I'm, I'm getting close to, I think, having the record of number of board meetings that I've attended over uh, my, my time in uh, thoracic surgery. Um, I've been uh, the head of the uh, thoracic surgery uh, uh, found um, uh, research and education. I've been chairman of the finance committee and chairman of the health policy council. So I, I've held a lot of uh, very interesting and rewarding positions within the society. AATS, uh, usually what happens somewhere in your career, you start out uh, being involved in both. And uh, at some point uh, you come to a fork in a road and you kind of go towards one or the other. Uh, I was on the council of the AATS uh, one of the few who I think were on both councils at the same time. Oh, so wow. I would usually be in the council meeting of one in the morning, all morning. I'd switch hats and I'd go to the one in the afternoon and uh, I could never get over how it seemed like we were two different groups, but we were all the same, basically. Wow. Uh, so that was very interesting. I was the membership committee chairman. Uh, I held uh, you know, a number of different positions, but mostly when I was just starting out, and then I became identified more with the STS. I see. Um, what would you say is the primary mission of the STS, and how does that differ from the AATS? Yeah, well, I'd say they're more alike than dissimilar, number one. Um, I would say the biggest difference is that the STS represents all cardiothoracic surgery. The society is over now, uh, now it's over 7,000 members. Um, the AATS has a restricted membership by design. Uh, I would say if you wanted to categorize one uh, uh, and the other, I'll leave it to the AETS to categorize their organization. Uh, but the STS, I think, deals with the issues of the practice, practitioner or practicing surgeon, uh, be it uh, postgraduate education, reimbursement, uh, medical liability reform, clinical guidelines, um, practice management issues they tend to deal more with those things and I think are more identified uh, with the everyday uh, practice of thoracic surgery because they represent all cardiothoracic surgeons. I see. Um, for someone like myself who's uh, going to be graduating soon, what's your, the best way to get your foot in the door and to meaningfully contribute to the STS? Well, for, first I'd say the important thing is you should absolutely become involved. Uh, for most being a thoracic surgeon is reward unto itself. 
Um, but if you're looking for something beyond that, uh, being involved in either of these two organizations uh, is, I think, one of the most rewarding things you can do as a, as a thoracic surgeon. Um, you get involved in things that uh, usually are very meaningful to the specialty. Uh, it gives you an opportunity to give back. Uh, you become a content expert about some area or facet of uh, our profession. Um, and it can be, at, at least in the Society of Thoracic Surgeons, it can be widely divergent. I mean, you can participate in resident issues, uh, uh, health policy issues, uh, government affairs issues, uh, coding, uh, uh, guidelines. I mean, there's, I think there are now 27 different workforces. Oh, wow. Each workforce has task forces for the most part. Not all do. Um, and I think the total number of uh, volunteer participants in the STS is, I think, around 300. I, I could be off by a bit, but it's in that ballpark. So there's a lot of opportunity to become engaged, and you should. It's a, it's a rewarding thing. It adds a little extra to your life. It gives meaning to going to the meetings if, you, if you're interested in these sorts of things. Um, and you get involved by uh, networking, you know, using the contacts that you've made uh, during your training or in your first job. Um, all of the positions um, in the society uh, are open to self-management. Uh, I'm sorry, self-nomination. So if you wanted to uh, be on a particular workforce, you're interested in the, the database, for example. Um, they have every year people who rotate off these various workforces. And about 20 to 25% of all positions that are filled are filled through self-nomination. This was an idea, I believe, of John Myers, and it was a great idea. Uh, but beyond that, if you know somebody, let them know what you're interested in. There's no guarantee that you'll get it, but if you self-nominate and have somebody as an advocate, uh, and maybe you don't get it this year, but maybe you get it next year. So you can, it's easy to get involved. And I would encourage, to me, of all the uh, benefits that I've had uh, in my profession, it's being involved in the STS. If you, you become president, I mean, that's, that's a, a great thing. And, but you never get into it thinking that you're going to be the president. You get into it to be involved in all these things. And to me, that was the great joy of being involved with the STS. It broadened my horizons enormously. So someone nominates you to be on a particular committee or subcommittee? Is that what I'm saying? Yeah, but you can do it yourself. I see. Yeah, okay. they make an announcement every year. And you should start in the candidate and pre-candidate uh, categories and then make sure you transition from the candidate category, which is, I think, the category for residents, into when you can then become a, a full-fledged member. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. And uh, at, at the individual level, are there certain benefits that become open to you or available to you as a member of the STS that, say, a practitioner that's not a member wouldn't have access to? Well, uh, first and foremost, almost everybody in the United States who does cardiothoracic surgery is a member of the STS. They have 70, I think it's 7,400 members now. That includes international members, residents, everybody. Um, so almost everybody is a member. And I, I would say that you know, the things that uh, would be different if you weren't a member, uh, you wouldn't get the journal. You could subscribe to it, but it wouldn't be part of being a member. Uh, you'd have to pay to go to the annual meeting. Uh, you wouldn't be informed of all of the regulatory reimbursement uh, payer issues that are, are regularly posted through the STS. I suppose you can always participate in the postgraduate courses that are put on. Um, but first of all, it's a small number who aren't members. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the benefits are, I, I think, real, um, as I mentioned. Um, uh, clearly, the organization is large and, as you mentioned, has a broad mission. Um, where does the funding come from uh, for the organization? Yeah, it, it comes through uh, about four or five different uh, streams. Uh, the database and its related activities is roughly a third of the revenues. Um, the annual meeting, sort of, maybe not quite a third, but in that ballpark. Dues uh, are part of it. Um, uh, and then there's activities like uh, the TVT registry and things of that sort. Uh, 
post uh, the annual meeting, postgraduate courses, all, all those things contribute uh, to the uh, revenue of the society. I see. Um, Dr. Sun had mentioned when we spoke to him that the STS was heavily involved in, in interacting with government. Are there specific issues that the STS uh, work, works with? Yeah, so uh, that gets to the point of how they deal with the day-to-day -day issues. Uh, everybody who's a cardiothoracic surgeon is paid. Um, much of that payment comes through Washington, D.C. Um, so we have a Washington office. I think there now are four or five staff who are in Washington, D.C., uh, they are very helpful. Uh, a lot of people think of um, PACs and, you know, things of that sort that deal with the government as kind of uh, dirty words, but unfortunately that's how our government works. Um, that office has been instrumental. A lot of times people take credit for certain things, um, but you, when you realize that there are a lot of people who actually um, did the work or it's a lot of people who contributed a little bit. Uh, in the recent uh, years, the STS um, was instrumental and really, I think, led um, the effort to do away with something called the SGR, which was the Sustainable Growth Rate Formula. That had been in existence for probably 15 years and was used to determine reimbursement to all of medicine. This was directly related to activities uh, within the STS. The office, Washington office, identified this as an issue uh, and that uh, uh, there were some proposed changes which would have been very uh, difficult for the society and, and all of medicine. They were going to do away with the 90-day uh, global uh, and it was all tied into the SGR. Uh, one of our representatives uh, went to Congress and testified. We were the only specialty society asked to testify. The others, I believe, were the uh, AMA uh, and uh, um, AARP. That testimony was instrumental in, in doing away with the SGR. Uh, with a stroke of a pen, billions and billions and billions of dollars that accumulated over years now were just wiped away, and there was always the prospect that if SGR continued, they would somehow impact future reimbursement. So a hu huge, huge uh, win for our society, and, and I think it is one where the STS can take direct credit. So that's cer certainly quite a contribution. W what are some of the other most impactful ways you think that the STS has molded our specialty mm -hmm. in the last 50 years? Well, the thing that's had, uh, I'd say, the biggest impact is payment reform, not just in what we mentioned about the SGR, but in many other ways. During Robert Guyton's uh, tenure, uh, there was uh, an effort to, uh, uh, through coding and reimbursement and the RUC, uh, to uh, properly value um, reimbursement for cardiothoracic surgeons. Uh, the RUC is a, an unusual process. It's very hard to, to win anything and get more money because it's a zero-sum game. But through his efforts, through the uh, Peter Smith, through others, uh, I know that uh, during that period uh, it uh, uh, saved and uh, put in over $50 million into the specialty that otherwise would have uh, disappeared. So payment reform has always been a big uh, item. Uh, certainly affects every member, and uh, the uh, STS has had a lot to do with that. Uh, another tangible thing that uh, uh, I think is impactful and directly related to the STS has to do with lung cancer screening. Uh, Doug Wood, uh, working with the uh, Radiology Society, uh, really, I think, is largely responsible for lung cancer screening be a, being a real entity. Uh, the database is it's, it's impossible to... Uh, state the impact of the database over roughly 20 years. Uh, it, it continues to be the preeminent clinical database. It has given us enormous amounts of credibility in Washington, D.C. with uh, CMS, the FDA, payers, uh, the government, uh, and, and it's had impacts that uh, are far-reaching, and it's probably the most valuable asset of our specialty, in my opinion. It's certainly recognized as the best a clinical database with an accuracy of 96 or 7 percent, which is really remarkable. Um, I would say the uh, other accomplishments in the last 50 years uh, have to do with uh, collaboration with other major organizations, both in the United States and international. Um, the most recent example of this has been the uh, collaborations with the American College of Cardiology. Uh, this happened to occur during my tenure. 
uh, as president. Uh, no one person takes uh, credit for any of these. It's a continuum. It's a lot of people being involved. But that collaboration is what preserved surgical participation in aortic valve disease uh, uh, in placing TAVRs. Uh, um, and uh, it was done with the cooperation of uh, ACC leadership. Uh, certainly Ralph Brindis, who was the president who I worked most closely with, uh, believed that it should be a heart team. And that's where that concept originated. The, the registry that uh, subsequently um, was developed has been a, a, an important resource for the organization. Uh, and this concept of the heart team, I think, has now been expanded to other areas uh, such as mitral valve disease. Um, uh, uh, creating standards for the National Quality Forum. Uh, the STS has more measures than any other organization. Uh, it's, a, it's an organization that has a lot of credibility uh, in Washington. Um, and uh, uh, the STS is highly um, uh, thought of, again, through the database. Um, postgraduate education, I mean, we go on and on and on, but uh, the STS is a very vibrant uh, organization, lots of activities, and lots of contributions. Uh, you mentioned TAVR, and that's a perfect example of how our field is rapidly growing. New techniques, technologies, and training pathways are changing the landscape of CT surgery. What do you think are some of the issues that the STS will have to address as we move into the future? Well, to me, one of the major changes that occur, have occurred in a very short period of time is hospital employment. It used to be very few cardiac and thoracic surgeons were hospital-based. Now, I believe the figure is over 85%. I, I never thought I would see that, but it clearly has uh, happened. It's happened in cardiology and many other areas, uh, and not many surgeons are familiar with how to work in that kind of an environment. Uh, understanding the legal implications, contracting, metrics that you're going to be held to, your second contract, all of these are really important issues and the STS is aware of them, has uh, tried to address them, puts on a lot of uh, postgraduate education around that issue and, and to me it's, a, it's one of the more significant issues because of the implications it has to every cardiothoracic surgeon uh, in America. Um, I'd say the, the, the big challenge, you mentioned TAVR, um, if you think about it, new technology really changes especially now, I think about every five years, maybe even less than that. It's transformative when that occurs. And if you think about it, you may have missed it. You may have been there when the staff was learning it and therefore couldn't transfer it to the resident. Um, or it was just evolving and you don't feel comfortable uh, dealing with it. Or there's new technology. Well, that really then falls to the society to uh, ensure the uh, uh, seamless transition of new technology so surgeons can incorporate new uh, devices, procedures in their practice. And that, that's a huge challenge, uh, and it falls on the shoulders of uh, the, the, the big national organizations and, and STS in particular. Um, robotics, uh, um, years ago the introduction of VATS uh, are all examples of courses uh, of areas that uh, uh, the STS developed practical courses. They have the STS University at the annual meeting, again, to address and introduce these new technologies. So they've, they've had uh, um, a tremendous uh, role in that. And I'd say the third area is just the transition to practice. With all the changes in the training programs that you mentioned, uh, it's even more difficult to transition uh, residents into being independent, uh, practitioners of our specialty. Uh, understanding that transition, working with uh, the people that hire them and, and how to make that transition, I think is an important responsibility. You certainly hear a lot of it from the American College of Surgeons, but I think it also is something that is sort of tied into what I previously said, but it's an important responsibility of uh, the STS. And finally, uh, on a more lighthearted note, what is your favorite location for the STS meeting? Well, everyone loves San Diego. Hard to hard to uh, uh, dismiss that, um, uh, and it's certainly a great venue. Uh, we haven't been to New Orleans for many years since uh, uh, Hurricane Katrina. It used to be a regular stop in all the major meetings, and so it's the first return really in 
I don't know, 15 or 20 years, and I'm looking forward to that. New Orleans is a unique city. It's always has been a great place to have a, a, a big meeting. And then Austin, Texas, the year after, never been to Austin. I know a lot about it. I've always wanted to get there. Now I've got an excuse, so I'm looking forward to the, those two meetings coming up. And lastly, what would you say was the greatest accomplishment or, or uh, your biggest challenge while you were the STS president? Biggest challenge was just getting through the year. It's a very busy year. It gets busier every year for every president. Um, and you have to sustain a, a 110% commitment for an, ent- an entire year. Um, and uh, like being the chief resident, you give it your all. And uh, it's important to do that because it's what helps push the society forward. Specifically, uh, again, during my year, they're all sort of continuums, you know. Some, sometimes you come in with new ideas, but a lot of times it's, it's carrying on ideas that were just uh, coming to fruition. Uh, so no, no one person takes credit, but some of the things that occurred during my time, uh, uh, we added residents to every workforce and uh, have a seat on the board of uh, the STS. Every organization that I've participated in that has included resident participation has been better because of it. They represent the one end of the spectrum of cardiothoracic surgery, and oftentimes decisions are made without their input. So I I think that was a a particularly uh, good thing, something I was very proud of that we were able to uh, uh, advance. Uh, Cooperation with other organizations, uh, STS, uh, the beginning of all this, it goes back many years, but uh, during the time I was uh, president, we had uh, very successful collaborations with the European Association of Cardiothoracic Surgery and the European Society of Thoracic Surgeons. Some of that started before, some of it continues now, but it was really uh, developed uh, during that time. Uh, I've mentioned uh, uh, the collaboration with the ACC. There were other things like that, the governance of some other organizations, uh, the uh, CTSnet, uh, the TSFRE, the foundation, and then the transition from that foundation to the current foundation, uh, the Thoracic Surgery Foundation, which is exclusively an STS uh, activity. Uh, the foundation started in the STS, then became kind of a common uh, uh, repository for charity, charitable giving for cardiothoracic surgery. Now each society has its own. Ours has done extremely well. It contributes about a million dollars a year now to uh, uh, fund early research, uh, projects, uh, educational uh, initiatives, and has been an important uh, uh, step forward. I'd say the one other thing that uh, uh, that I think has been a significant development uh, and, it, and it occurred during my tenure, and it's hard to remember where exactly when, could have been after that as the head of the finance committee, but the notion of developing a spending policy. Uh, the STS has been uh, very fortunate to have uh, secured uh, financial stability, and we decided that we would leverage that uh, financial success in a way to identify a method to give back to the specialty for new programs, uh, Uh, supporting different organizations that needed funding. Uh, John Meyer came up with the actual formula, um, but the concept, uh, uh, I think, was uh, preceded that. And between that and the foundation, uh, roughly $2 million a year uh, are given uh, back to the specialty, which I think is a, a major achievement and accomplishment, something everybody's proud of. Dr. Matisson, thank you so much for this insider's look into the workings of the STS. Final message, join the STS. You'll never regret it. Thank you, sir. Okay. All right. And now to talk with us about the AATS, Dr. Duke Cameron. Dr. Cameron, aside from serving as the 98th president of the AATS, what other roles have you played within that organization or within the STS? Well, I was the uh, treasurer uh, for the AATS uh, for, for five years. Uh, before being uh, vice president and uh, president-elect. But my real introduction to the association was in in the capacity of of treasurer. So I learned a little bit about the finances and history of the organization in that capacity. I had, uh, of course, attended uh, quite a few of the meetings, but quite frankly was not involved in in a lot of the organizations. So being treasurer was a a nice way to... to, uh, Get, get up to speed uh, quickly. What would you say is the primary mission of the AATS, and how does that mission differ from that of the STS or some of the other smaller organizations? 
Sure. Well, the, you know, the primary mission is uh, education and the support of, of scholarliness uh, and research for, for all of our members uh, and, uh, and really uh, to uh, nurture and guide young surgeons uh, into academic uh, careers, not necessarily university-based, but careers where, uh, where scholarliness, uh, study, uh, and advancement of the science of surgery is, uh, is, is deep within the, the value system of its, of its members. Uh, AATS is, is a little different from the STS, but I really want to emphasize that we have overlapping missions and we overlap a lot more than, than we have uh, separate missions. And, and it's, it's, you know, it's my hope that uh, our two societies will continue to to work uh, collaboratively and maybe even enhance our collaboration uh, in the years ahead because we're, we're really serving the same group of, of patients and, and largely the same group of surgeons. Uh, so uh, overlapping missions. So the, the STS uh, does have uh, an overlapping mission with the AATS, but they also are uh, much more involved in healthcare policy and representing our profession in, in Washington. Very, very critical uh, roles, and, and the STS has made tremendous contributions in that. And that traditionally hasn't been one of the roles of the AATS. I see. Um, how does one become a member of the AATS? And, and once a member, what's uh, sort of the benefit and responsibility um, that comes with it? Sure. Well, uh, you, usually one, uh, one has to be uh, in practice for a, a few years. I think the, the, it's typically been, you know, two or three some, uh, years. It's actually been changing, and I'm not sure what the, what the current requirement is. Um, but I, I would say that the most important uh, qualification for membership is, is a history of, of scholarly contributions to our field. So it doesn't mean it's a fixed number of peer-reviewed publications. There are other ways to, to contribute, say through education, training of residents, and being a thought leader in the specialty. All, all of these are important ways to contribute, but there has to be some record, not just the potential uh, of, of, of contribution. So uh, that, that means that uh, after a few years of, of being in practice, uh, one can apply with that record. Uh, and uh, I, I think although the association has a, a reputation historically of being uh, perhaps uh, uh, elitist or uh, exclusive, I can assure you that is, that is not the uh, mission or wish of, of the AATS. The organization uh, wants to be selective uh, but, uh, but inclusive. Uh, those, are, those are not incompatible. But because it is a society based m more on, on the academic mission than simply the practice of surgery, I think one, one has to be selective. But, uh, but we, we, want, we want as many people who are interested and qualified uh, to be members as possible. I see. Is, is there a way to be involved prior to becoming a member? For example, as someone in my position as a fellow or as uh, someone just out of practice? There are multiple levels at which one can begin uh, an affiliation with the AATS. Uh, and it starts in uh, medical school and, and in general surgery training with some of the summer fellowships that are available. There are ways to attend the annual meeting with support from the AATS itself. Uh, all, all through the uh, residence um, experience, one can, can uh, participate in AATS activities. Sometimes it's best through the TSRA. Uh, there, there are many uh, ways to do it, but if you, just, if you simply let your, uh, your local surgeons who are members of the AATS, let, just let them know that you're interested in participating, we welcome it. Um, and if, if you don't have a, a mentor or a close surgeon uh, who is a member, write to us directly. I mean, we, we, all of our email addresses, uh, those of us associated with the AATS are online. We, we love getting letters from people who want to, to do more and learn more about the AATS.
Um, aside from the annual meeting, how are some other uh, ways to stay involved throughout the year, or what are some of the other things that the AATS uh, sponsors uh, during the year? Well, because the AATS does have a very strong commitment to education, we, we actually offer several uh, meetings uh, throughout the year. The Probably the two best known are the Mitral uh, Conclave and the Aortic Symposium, which, which alternate year by year and are usually held in the two days right before the AATS meeting. But there are other, other meetings related to uh, mechanical circulatory support, uh, surgical treatment for arrhythmias, and several others. They're all online on the AATS website, aats.org. And, uh, and those are, uh, are, are the easiest ways to come to an AATS meeting and, uh, and see what we're all about. But the website also has uh, other activities, and we're, we are currently redesigning the whole AATS website to make it easier for people to gain access to uh, videos and lectures and presentations from previous meetings. Uh, we, we have, uh, as, as you know, the Journal of Thoracic and Cardiovascular Surgery as the, as the journal for the AATS, and uh, this, uh, this, although I'm, I'm clearly very biased on this. Uh, the JTCBS has the highest impact factor of any journal uh, in our specialty. And uh, access to that journal, as well as some of the uh, sister journals like Op Techniques and Seminars, the Pediatric Cardiac Surgery Annual, all of these uh, hopefully will, will be much easier to access through the AATS uh, uh, website. Uh, a new a, a web presence is, is being designed now, which, uh, which, as I say, will make it much easier to access uh, all of the educational resources that the AATS has. What, what would you say are some of the greatest contributions the AATS has made in the past? I, I think the, the greatest contributions are, are just the, the support of young surgeons. Uh, maybe the best example is the Graham Traveling Fellowship. Um, which for, for decades has really launched the careers of, of some of the most influential surgeons in our specialty. Uh, that kind of activity, and uh, in addition with a lot of the new fellowships that are available through the AATS Foundation, uh, I, I think uh, is the most important thing we do. The AATS Foundation may be a little bit unclear because it it, uh, it, it, is, it is the uh, development and sort of fundraising arm of the AATS, but it's, it's through that arm that the subsidy of a lot of the educational fellowships uh, occurs. Uh, it's within the AATS, it's not a separate foundation. Uh, but, uh, but as I say, it, I like the way it, it acts as both the, the fundraiser and the administer, if you will, of a lot of the fellowship programs. And going into the future, what are some of uh, the programs or challenges that the ATS uh, will put on or face? Well, I, I think one of our biggest challenges is, is keeping up with the te technologic uh, changes and advances that, that have occurred as we move away from print journals to smartphones and trying to get our, our educational material, our content uh, easily accessible and manageable on portable electronic devices is, is uh, particularly in, in light of the uncertain future of printed journals, is, is one of our greatest uh, responsibilities. Um, and as I mentioned before, the fact that we do have this tremendous catalog of, of uh, presentations, lectures at meetings, videos, uh, and articles that uh, I think are unmatched by any other uh, organization in our profession, but making them accessible to not just our members, but everyone else who wants them is, uh, is, is our most immediate and our most pressing challenge. And while you were president during that time, what uh, was the biggest challenge or your proudest accomplishment? Well, I, I say this with a smile. I think I'm most proudest by... Uh, the fact that we made the meeting a day shorter. <laughs> I, I think that was just recognition of the fact that we are all 
uh, very, very busy. We have increasing demands to remain at home and remain productive, but we also have, have the need to, to gather once a year, share information, stimulate each other, and come away with a sense of who, who we are as a profession. And uh, balancing those two was a challenge, but I don't think anybody uh, missed the extra day because the content remained this, the same, the, the volume of the content, number of presentations and so forth. So I think that uh, I, I, I'm proud of that, although it's, uh, you know, taking a day out of the meeting is, doesn't sound like a great accomplishment. It did require some work. I can imagine there was some resistance. A there. little bit. <laughs> um, and then on a slightly different topic, is there a relationship between the AATS and the American College of Surgeons? And is there any reason, let's say, for um, a practitioner who's involved with the AATS to also be involved uh, with the ACS as a cardiothoracic surgeon? It's a very good question, and and I'm probably not the best person to answer it. But I I remember a day when, when I began my cardiothoracic training, when presenting a paper at the surgical forum at the ACS meeting was, uh, was a great opportunity. It was considered a, a real hot spot uh, for young people to present uh, exciting new work. And, and since then, unfortunately, uh, cardiac surgeons have, have not played uh, as important a role in, in that particular meeting and in the program. But, but if you look back at the history of the specialty, some of the most important papers that have been uh, in, in, in contributed to the development of our specialty were first papers at the Surgical Forum at ACS, and I kind of miss that. Uh, but the, the, it, it's a challenge because there are so many different societies now that, that have you know, arisen in the last 20 years. We can't go to all of them. I, I would, I would like to see us remain uh, as part of the ACS meeting, but I'm not exactly sure how to balance it with all of our other commitments. But I know that certain individuals, like like Tor Sunt, have remained contributing contributors to that meeting, uh, and we have representatives on a number of their committees. Uh, we we are all part of the American College of Surgeons. We need to participate. Uh, but I'm, I'm just not sure how to balance all of our other commitments. I see. And uh, lastly, on a lighter note, what's your favorite location for the AATS meeting? Uh, well, I, I am, uh, this, this is going to sound like I'm just uh, uh, championing my current location, but, but I, uh, I think Boston is a great location. It's uh, it's a, it's a personal city, uh, it's a beautiful city. You, you can walk to most places. It has the, the uh, history and legacy that appealed to, to me so much. Uh, it's where I began my adult education, so it feels very much uh, at home. So uh, I, I'm, I'm quite, quite fond of, of Boston, but I, I, I love so many of the other meetings. They're all close seconds, uh, the other venues. Dr. Cameron, thank you so much for talking with us today. That was uh, very insightful. My pleasure, John. Uh, good, good to talk with you, too.